0: Thanks so much to Scott for the conversation. To learn more about Scott, please check out the link in the podcast description of this episode. Here at Autism Personal Coach, our clients are the experts, our coaches are the guides. The majority of supports for autistics are not helpful. They try to fix us, not support us. That's why many are confused when we say our clients are the experts experts of their lived experience. Our clients are the experts for what has worked for them and about the things they need and want in their lives. Our coaches first listen to our clients, then ask thoughtful questions, offer resources, and strategize with our clients so they can get what they need to thrive. Would you want a guide in your life to coach you to get the things you desire? If so, then visit autismpersonalcoach.com for more information. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Autism Stories. And if you did, if you could tell a friend, foe, or anyone you know about it so they could have the same enjoyable and educational experience as you when listening to Autism Stories, it would be very much appreciated. Until next time, I'm Doug Bletcher of Autism Personal Coach. Talk to you then. Scott, thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you, Doug. I really appreciate you reaching out
0: to me. Absolutely. And I'd love to learn starting out with our conversation. Where does your story in the autistic community begin? Well,
1: I guess you could say it began 51 years ago when I was born, but more specifically, I was a late identified autistic person. I learned uh, about three years ago at age 48, And probably like most every other autistic person who was identified later in life, I never felt like I fit in anywhere. I always felt different and never knew why. But one evening, my wife and I were watching TV and there's this show called The Employables. I don't know if if you've ever saw that, but it's a a reality TV show uh, that the producers followed neurodivergent people in their uh, attempt to find gainful employment and every time they spotlighted a an autistic person i just really resonated with that person i was like that's me am i autistic and so after a few episodes of watching that i got curious and i started looking online for the various uh, self-assessment quizzes you can take online and they kept coming up that i'm probably autistic and at that point my wife didn't know any of this and i shared with her my thoughts and i sent her the link to one of the the quizzes and she took it as though she was me and she knows me very very well and her score is actually higher than what i got uh, and so that kind of prodded me to you know what i really want to find out it's not going to change anything about me but the knowledge it was just something i wanted to have so i did some searching found a somebody who would assess me a, a licensed psychologist who assesses adults long story short i learned yes they confirmed i'm autistic and so then i really got involved in learning a what autism is all about, even though I came from a medical profession and thought I understood it. But then when I really started to read out on my own and find the different online communities with actually autistic people and learning from their perspective, it really started to change a lot about what I thought I understood about autism and kind of led me down the path of wanting to pay it forward, so to speak.
0: Now, uh, currently you are a manager of credential maintenance and psychometrics. For for those that might not be familiar with psychometrics, what the heck is that and what exactly do you do? (laughs) So that's the field of study that uh, deals
1: with building, conducting validity and reliability studies of different measurements. And in this case, we're talking about IT industry certifications and uh, me and my team we do the work to maintain a industry certifications to make sure the test is working as it should and doing all the math behind the scenes to assess its performance and make uh, changes so that we're first and foremost being fair to anyone who takes our exams and secondly to make sure that they're legally defensible and making sure that any sort of inferences and decisions we make about somebody based on this exam score is appropriate and accurate.
0: I've been following you for a while on LinkedIn and the things that you post. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've been following you because, you know, I think the things that you post really get my attention. You know, oftentimes... Social media posts are about people expressing their thoughts and feelings. And oftentimes those things are wonderful. However, you take a different approach and you ask a lot of reflective questions instead of kind of like giving your personal thoughts a- and feelings. Why do you decide to kind of take this approach to do something that I do here very much on Autism Stories is ask a lot of questions? I'm glad you asked that, Doug.
1: So, you know, go, going back to a, a year or two ago when I'm learning more about myself and being autistic in the autistic community and really, really listening to others who have traveled this journey that I'm just starting, one of the things that kept bubbling up was this idea of infighting, meaning, you know, we have autistic people within the community. I'm sure you've Heard it, dealt with it, talked about it a bit, but where we have these differing perspectives, even though we're all autistic and we're all in the same community, we're all should be supporting one another, we're at each other's throats because what you see, Doug, and what I see may not be the same thing, but they're both, they're both our reality. And initially, I was also one of those folks, like he had said, Let me share my perspective as I'm going through this journey. It's an outlet of sorts, but then it kind of dawned on me. I put my change management hat on and thought about this through an organization development approach. One of the things that was really missing, the critical thing that was missing is people were not listening. We're so busy talking, we're not taking the time to listen to one another. And so instead of me just saying, here's what I believe, because that's only one out of how many millions of autistic people out there. I needed, I took the stance of, let me use something that I use in the classroom and I use in the change management work that I do ask questions. And, and I followed a simple mantra first seek to understand, then seek to be understood. It does a couple things for us first, Because I do believe that everyone's perspective is valid. That doesn't mean somebody's perspective is correct. That's a whole different argument, but everyone's perspective is valid. It's their reality. So who am I to say that's wrong? This is right. So by asking people, what do you think about this? Or what's your experience with this? What happens if we do this? What do you know about this? Number one, that gets them talking and me listening. But number two, it also creates a safe place to where people feel making sure that everyone doesn't jump on each other. That's why I I insist on making sure that it's a judgment free zone, but it helps people feel comfortable in sharing those things. And if people feel comfortable sharing, they're gonna feel more comfortable and are more receptive to listening themselves. So suspend judgment i want to hear other people's perspective because that influences my worldview and i can take in what they're saying and going okay i see what you're saying here's my perspective how do i make sense of all this it helps to to create dialogue and not just discussion and i think that's one of the things that is missing is we're not listening we're not having those dialogues we're too busy Putting our stake in the ground saying, This is correct. Yes, it is, but it's correct for you. But what about for others?
0: And you mentioned about a safe place. I think safety is something that, as autistics, we all are are seeking. Yes. And I don't think, you know, I think we're seeking that because we're looking for community, we're looking for connection. And if we don't have safety, then uh, I don't know how we can achieve that. So, I'm wondering by asking others about their experiences and thoughts, um, how that might've helped you to develop community and connection through on LinkedIn.
1: It goes back to what you had just said, you know, when people feel safe or at least safer, they are more willing to share. And I think just naturally people like to share what they're experiencing. They like to share their thoughts. People want to feel a value. And by giving somebody else the platform, by asking somebody else their perspective, I'm creating that safe place and really fostering that dialogue. I think one of the things that uh, helps connect every person on earth is being curious. We can have different perspectives on something, but if I'm curious about your perspective, you're more likely to reciprocate and be curious about my perspective as well, or at the very least be more open to it. And over time, you become people become more and more open to it. By focusing on those commonalities, primarily being, let's be curious about different things and suspend that judgment and listen to perspectives, we gain trust with one another and people are more willing to open up to different perspectives.
0: I think that's such an important point, being curious. Like I am constantly curious, like there will never be enough answers for me not to be curious, I think, in this uh, physical experience. So
1: I'm, Absolutely.
0: I'm wondering about that curiosity. I know you talked a little bit about like through work, you were used to asking questions and things like that. Has that curiosity has always been there Or was it like kind of developed? So is it natural just to you Um, as Scott, or was it a skill you developed? I would say it's both. I
1: think as if I reflect back on my childhood, which was a very long time ago, I remember in high school I was taking a jewelry class, much my high school career, and I remember my a teacher would share a concept, and I would be curious about okay. If that works in this situation, how can I make it work here? And i tinker around until I got it right. And from a very young age, I remember having that. But as I get older, especially as I went into uh, grad school in particular, where it's not just about remembering facts, but about that uh, structured inquiry, a... that is definitely a skill especially at the phd level definitely is a skill that you learn and refine and ever since then i've tried to continuously refine that
0: so when we ask questions i've learned that you know especially here on autism stories we've had like 260 episodes or so that you're yes. that you might get answers that you don't expect so I'm curious for you with asking all these questions on LinkedIn, have there been some specific responses that have really resonated with you or made you kind of look at life a little bit differently?
1: So yes, is the short answer. I'm trying to think of some specific ones that uh, made me really stop and uh, think. Like just today, for example, I had posted something about instead of emphasizing building autistic children's verbal speaking communication, why don't we, why don't people emphasize sign language communication abilities and somebody had posted, you know, if they, somebody has this going on, it would affect their ability to learn sign language, just like it would a verbal language. And that made me think, wow, now I need to look into that and learn a little bit more, but, the other thing that kind of comes to my mind and this goes to the power of socratic questioning and really wanting to learn and understand others values beliefs and assumptions one question that i posted about a year ago and i think it was about a uh, whether autistic people should listen autistic people who oppose applied behavioral analysis, should we listen to people's perspectives who support applied behavioral analysis? And one person was dead set on, no, we should not. And so my follow up questions with that person in a very short amount of time, three turns, I think it was, you know, three back and forth turns of uh, messages. That person went from an absolute no to, I'll have to think about that a little more. And that is a prime example of why I do what I do is because people really will stop to think about another's perspective if they feel they're in a safe place to listen. And it changed the conversation.
0: You've uh, taken things a step further with all these questions as you're creating a book with all of these questions in them. Can you tell us a little bit about this book and when is it gonna be available The public?
1: So, yes, I took the questions that I posed most of last year. And with that, I kind of grouped them into six broad categories, but they're not like mutually exclusive. There's because the nature of the questions that I asked, there's a lot of interrelationship, but I kind of grouped them into six broad areas. And it's just a list of the questions. And so that uh, comprises six of the ten chapters of this book, and at the end of those, uh, each chapter of questions. I have some reflective questions and a here now now try this, and so some call for action uh, based on that uh, that uh, section. But the other four chapters, one the first chapter of the book, I actually talk about my journey from identifying being formally identified as an autistic person through to being an advocate and then the last three chapters chapter eight uh, talks about that all perspectives are valid and i kind of go into detail about why that is and why thinking that way actually helps uh, bolster our narrative and our voices uh chapter nine I share my conception of neurodiversity across all of humanity, not just a subset of humanity and talk about those things that we all experience internally, we experience externally, and those things that we need for supports to actually survive as people and kind of reframe this idea of neurodiversity as a relation of these three constructs. And then finally, my last chapter, chapter 10, talks about rethinking what we see as supporting not only autistics, but just any person, rethinking what we, uh, reframing how we look at disability in general, and then also how we can reframe or take a different approach, similar to what I have, around advocating for autistic folks. And so this book... I'm in the very last stages of making my revisions, and it'll be published later this year, hopefully by the fall, but we'll see how things go. And it's gonna be published by Accessibility Publishing, which is out of the Mind Your Autistic Brain organization.
0: Carol Whittington, yes.
1: Yes. Yep. She actually wrote the foreword to my book, and I'm very honored that she
0: did. A previous guest here on Autism Stories. Yes. Yeah. Great it,
1: person.
0: There's something that I'm interested in that I heard recently that you're involved in is generative uh, AI to have. And I guess you've gotten involved in it for the purpose of having dialogues about autism, the autistic experience. So from what I understand, you have used the, I guess, very popular now ChatGPT. GPT. Uh, yes based on your uh, reflective questions that you have created. What have you learned how effective chat GPT can be to have these conversations about autism?
1: So maybe to kind of preface this, some of the ways that I do use chat GPT, I do use generative AI in my professional world as well, but focusing just on this, I'll use it to help kind of generate some ideas about what kind of questions I want to write. I write every one of my questions myself, but it it can be very helpful in thinking about, you know, what kind of areas to focus on. I also use it to bounce my ideas off of. So like when I think about this relational model, for example, or trying to think of a different way to reframe uh, autistic interactions, for example, I'll kind of put my thoughts into chat DPT and ask it questions about, does this make sense? How does, what other theories does this relate to, you know, kind of be that trusted advisor that I can talk to and get some feedback on my work without having to (laughs) include other people. I've even had full conversations where We're just going uh, back and forth talking, you know, in in the autistic world, we think of that as uh, rehearsing or scripting for a conversation, but instead of writing it down, I actually interact with this uh, artificial intelligence, which that's actually really cool, especially when you're trying to debate with ChatGPT and convince them of your perspective, kind of setting up, you take this perspective, I'll take this perspective, and trying to convince artificial intelligence that yours is a correct one. I use it to explore ideas from multiple perspectives. And the good thing is it's not so value and emotion laden that the conversation doesn't get sidetracked or derailed altogether. So yeah, those are some of the ways that I've used it. I'll also pose the questions that I do put on LinkedIn and have it answer, And then I'll share those as well. And sometimes it comes up with things that. I have never thought of before in response. I'm like, okay, here's something i need to go dig into a little bit more.
0: And uh, Scott, beyond this interview, how can our listeners learn uh, more about you?
1: Obviously, I, I'm on LinkedIn. You can just look up uh, Scott Frassard and you can find me there. And I've recently I uh, decided and have uh, created a Facebook page called a reflective question to ponder, which is also the title of my book. Uh, but uh, feel free. And I'm a very small page there right now, but I hope to grow it. So feel free to check that out as well.
0: Well, I will continue to follow you on LinkedIn. I was not aware about the Facebook page, so I will be joining that uh, today.
1: Well, thank you. I, I haven't. I just recently I created it. I haven't I publicized it really so i'm working on it i'm working on
0: it <laughs> well thanks so much for your time scott i really enjoyed uh, the conversation
1: thank you doug i enjoyed it as well thank you for having me on
0: hello everyone and welcome to another episode of autism stories i'm your host doug bletcher the founder of autism personal coach Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience, and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their insights. If you'd like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review, as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. I don't really understand much about this world, so it's really important for me to ask questions. Otherwise, I am not going to understand so much and life is going to be that much harder for me. That's why I'm excited to talk with Scott Frazard on today's episode as we discuss the importance of asking questions, psychometrics, and using chat GPT to have discussions about autism. We hope you enjoy today's conversation.